You are now listening to the London International Christian Church Podcast. And will you guys sound fantastic this morning? This is a, a little slice of heaven for me. Uh, I love that song. I love hearing you guys sing it. Let's pray. Father God in heaven, We not only welcome you here, we beg that you stay here with us. We beg that you move us aside, Father God, that you'll move me aside only a sinful man, but your words just come through me, and that every person here can leave changed because of your word, because of your will, because of what you would want for us in our lives. We love you so much, Father God, and we will show that with our actions. In Jesus' name, amen. Write down Revelation chapter 21. Don't turn there, just write it down. Listen to these words. Reflect on these words. It says, then I saw the new heaven and the new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. There was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city. The new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, now the dwelling of God is with men. He will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain or sorrow or anything like that. For the old order of things has passed away. He who is seated on the throne said, I'm making everything new. Then he said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the alpha. The omega, the beginning, and the end. To him who is thirsty, I will give to drink without cost from the spring of the water of life. He and she who overcomes will inherit all of this. I will be their God, and he or she will be my sons and my daughters. Can you imagine this? You don't have to get up for work anymore. Amen. There's no more mortgage payments. There's no more traffic. There's no more tube strikes. There's no more ISIS. There's no more worries. There's no more pain. There's no more sorrow. You don't have to worry about getting up for church early because you're already at church. You're living with God. Can you imagine it? How amazing it'll be. Yet so many times we don't want to be actively thinking about this. And we become reactive. We see these terrorist attacks and we react with fear. We react with hate. We react in our own sinful nature. We cannot be reactive. We must act. So many times we can focus on the negative. Hell. I don't want to go to hell. So many times we do, what what should I not do? I don't want to focus on what we should not do. 
I want to focus on what we should do to get to heaven. And not this skewed sense that Satan's always trying to take concepts and he's trying to rip them apart and make them things that they're not. There's this new concept, you know, the good news about hell. It's terminal. You go to hell for a little bit and then all of a sudden you're destroyed. I'm not going to debate this. But what I will tell you is there is one good thing about hell. Only one piece of good news. Here's the good news. You don't have to go there. That is the only good news. I want to focus on heaven. And how in the heck are we going to get there? Who do you think we should follow if we're trying to get to heaven? We're going to follow Jesus. He showed us the way. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 4. You guys with me? You guys want to go to heaven? I definitely want to go to heaven. It's going to be incredible. Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to start in verse 7. Now these are incredible words. Paul writes here, it says, But to each one of us grace has been given as Christ appointed it. He's given us all grace. Thus, this is why it says, When he ascended on high, when, when Jesus went up into heaven. Now I'm going to read to you the best translation of this. He took captive captivity. There are many other translations, but this is the best translation. He took, he took captive captivity. He enslaved enslavement. The thing that would hold you back, he took away. And some translations say, and he gave gifts to men. No, he gave a gift to all mankind. How did he do it? Verse 9. What does he ascends mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? You see, to be brought up on high, Jesus went down low. He went into Hades for you. He made himself humble. And what happens as a result? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the entire universe. Jesus humbled himself. And God lifted him up. Turn with me to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians is a book all about humility. All about how Jesus lowered himself. Paul here writes this letter under house arrest in Rome. He says, don't be confident in your flesh. Amen. Rejoice always. Again, I'll say it, rejoice. You know, us Europeans, I'm European now. We struggle with rejoicing every once in a while. He says, to live is Christ. And to die is gain. I, to, for me to live is to live like Jesus. And for me to get to heaven is to do what he did. He says, forget what's behind. Strain toward what's ahead. Whatever happened yesterday, don't worry about it. Whatever happened a week ago, don't worry about it this morning. Press towards what's ahead. Toward the goal, the prize for which God has called us all heavenward. In Christ Jesus. We're trying to get to heaven. The title of my sermon is Jesus' Path to Heaven. Jesus' Path to Heaven. 
pick up with me in chapter 2, verse 1. The Bible reads, If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, and I pray that we're comforted this morning from God's love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness, any compassion, if you've got a heartbeat out there, he's talking to you, amen? Then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and in purpose. What is our purpose? It's to save people and help them to get to heaven. How do we do it? Verse 3, do nothing. Nothing means nothing. Nada. Rien de tout. Si tu peux français. Oui? Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourself. Each of you, each and every single one of you sitting right there should look not only to your own interest, but to the interest of others. Make your attitude. It should be the same as Jesus a whole sermon just on that one sentence. We've got to be like Jesus. Oftentimes it's, what did, what would Jesus do? No, what did Jesus do? We have his words right here. Let's, let's see what he did. Verse 6. It says, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality something to be taken advantage of. Now there, again, there's a couple different translations of this. But, but Jesus was by very nature God. And he did not want to take advantage of this nature. But instead, he made himself nothing. How did he make himself nothing? He took the very nature of a servant. The Greek here is a slave. And he was made in the likeness of a human. My first point. You want to get to heaven? Like Jesus, Jesus took the highway of humility. The highway of humility. Amen? Is it a challenging subject? A little quiet out there? You guys still awake this morning? Amen? You know, when I was 16 years old, I was, I was in the ICOC, and uh, we had a, a church of about 1,000, and it was our last service, and they asked me to preach. 16 years old, 1,000 people. And uh, I remember I read this story about pride. I was preaching on pride because I struggle with pride. About these two hunters, okay? So these two hunters come across some tracks. They see the tracks, and, and, and one hunter, he goes, whoa, look at those deer tracks right there. We get ourselves a nice deer. The other brother's like, bro, I had two quiet times this morning, one for me and one for you. Those are rabbit tracks. Bro! I don't know if you know this, but I hang out with Renee. He's real spiritual. We go hunting all the time. Those are deer tracks. No, those are rabbit tracks! No, those are deer tracks, rabbit tracks. And they start arguing. And as they're arguing over what kind of tracks they are, the train runs them over. They were train tracks. Pride will kill you and you will not see it coming 
But humility is the highway to heaven. It's the path that Jesus laid out for us. So now let me, let me squash a, a notion. Being quiet is not being humble. Being quiet is not being humble. You ever try to, you're talking to somebody, or maybe you're even out there, and you hear me talking, and then you see the eyes roll back? That's quiet, but that's prideful. Or the deflating balloon. That is quiet, but it's prideful. And then there's the, you know, the obvious, I'm, I'm kind of the, you can see me a mile away and know that I'm prideful. There's some people that are a little bit passive-aggressive. They, they kind of obey, but, but they're really just, you know, begrudgingly doing what you tell them to do. There's some sneaky things about pride. Hold your finger here. I think the sneakiest thing is in Psalm 36. This is pride? We'll try and get you. Psalm 36. Catch up with me. Verse 1, it says, David writes this, an oracle within my heart concerning the sinfulness of the wicked. There is no fear of God before his eyes. He's not afraid of God. For in his own eyes he flatters himself too much to detect or hate his sin. When we're prideful, we cannot see it. Have you ever talked to somebody and you're trying to get them to understand something? They're like, bro, sis, I don't get it. Have you ever been the one and you've got like three people all around you and they're all telling you, bro or sis, you got to change this? I don't get it. You want to know why you don't get it? Because you're prideful. But here's the good news. You can change with the highway of humility. The highway of humility. You know the other thing about pride that always gets you? Is when you get discipled or corrected on your pride, oh my gosh, you just shrink like this small. You ever been there? You ever been real prideful? Just so prideful, you're just, you're just loving it. You're just letting somebody have it. And then somebody pulls you aside. Bro, you're prideful. Sis, you're prideful. I was, uh, I was in a Bible study, and there was this atheist lady yelling out at us from across the way. I waited till the study was over, and I happily, with a smile on my face, gently let her have it with everything I had and showed her how silly she was. And then a young baby Christian by the name of Colby pulled me aside and said, bro, you're prideful. Hugged me and then walked away. I was like, oh. It always hurts when you get discipled on your pride. And most of the time, you will not see it or get it. What did Jesus do? Again, now what would he do? What did he do? He changed his nature, number one. He, being the very nature God, made himself a slave. He changed his likeness. Now, this one may hurt a little bit. Again, him having the likeness of God. He, it says he took on the likeness of a man. I got a simple challenge for you. If you're visiting or studying the Bible... Find out how you can be more like Jesus. Study the Bible. And if you're a disciple, ask your discipler, what can I change in my nature that I could be more like Jesus? And you probably won't agree. Be prepared for that. But you can take the highway of humility. 
in your likeness. Now, this is, this is, uh, I take a little personally. You know, Michael challenged me to, to eat right and to exercise more. You know, and I could have been prideful. You know what? I was prideful. I was very prideful. I was prideful in my actions. Not in what I said. Oh, yeah, I, I, I wasn't gonna, I'm going to do that. That's exactly what I'll do. Not. But I changed. Amen. He, he has a lot of grace on me. A lot of grace on me. And you know what? I lost the five pounds. <laughs> you know what? I lost a, a quarter of an inch. Or no, half an inch on my waist already. It's been two weeks. Just two weeks. Now, sisters, I'm not going to talk about working out. I'm going to talk about what you wear or what you don't wear. Some of you need to find the likeness of Jesus. And if you think I'm talking to you, it's simply because I am talking to you. Let's not, let's not beat around the bush. We have got to be humble. Where that, where that means dress up or dress down. Whether that means put on more makeup or put on less makeup. Whether that means take off some weight or put some muscle on. Whatever it is, I challenge you guys to take the highway of humility. Verse 8. Being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself and he became obedient to death. Now, now, death wasn't this person that he was obedient to. Death was the plan. He was obedient to God's plan. Even death on a cross. He was obedient to die on a cross. He was submissive to the plan. You see, to get to heaven, Jesus took the subway of submission. Point number two, the subway of submission. Submission is not just for women. Men, we all got to submit. The opposite of submission is defiance. Are we submissive this morning or are we defiant? Imagine this. Imagine the time where God thought up the plan. He's there with the Holy Spirit. Jesus walks in the room. Jesus, we got the plan of salvation. What's going to happen? Me and the Holy Spirit have been talking. You're going to go down to earth. Jesus is like, okay. You're going to live a perfect life. They're going to treat you like crud. Don't worry about that. You're going to wash their feet. You're going to do all kinds of miracles. But you're not even going to sin once. Oh, I got this, God. Don't even worry about that. And for the grand finale, you're going to die a robber's death on a cross. Oh, I got this, God. Let's do it. That's what Jesus' attitude was. He came down without a blink of an eye for us. Imagine if he had our attitude about God's plan. God, why don't you go down on the cross? You know, I've been asked, I asked advice here, you know. I talked to Michael the Archangel, and he doesn't think it's a good idea this week for me to go down on that cross. You know, we just ask all the people until we find, oh, that's the, that's the advice I like. Uh, you know, listen, sis, uh, I don't think this is a good idea this week. I, I got some uh, advice this week. Imagine if he dragged his toes to the cross. Imagine if he resurrected on the fourth day. Or the fifth day. 
wasn't Jesus' attitude. Jesus took the subway of submission. You know, we have a problem with submission when we see man, when we're man-focused. When you see Michael and Michelle, well, why, why is Michael and Michelle lifting up this person? Why is this person dating? Why is this? Why is this? Because we're seeing man in that situation. Who's in control of these men and women? God. We lose sight of the fact that God is trying to teach us something. We, we get into our Bible sometimes, guilty. I get into my Bible sometimes and I go, God, how are you going to fix me? How are you going to fix this situation? Fix this, fix this, fix this. We spend so much time trying to have God fix our problems that we don't spend any time trying to figure out what his plan is. God's plan for Jesus was to die on a cross. Maybe his plan for you is to stay single a little while longer until you figure out his plan. Maybe it's to not leave yet until you figure out his plan. Maybe it's for you to be slow to speak and quick to listen until you understand his plan. Submission at the end of the day is a faith issue. You've got to have faith to jump on that subway. That, that subway is just moving. And you're like, oh, should I jump in? Should I jump in? Should I submit to this person? Should I submit to that? Should I submit to God? I believe that Submission will not only get you to heaven, but it will make you happy in this life. I want to read you a letter that illustrates this. It was written by a special someone to a special someone. This is August 20th, 2009. August 20th, 2009. It says, Dear Anthony, you're such an amazing person. I like this already. <laughs> you pretty much make everyone laugh or smile. Oh, man, I really like this letter. I guess you're just that kind of special person. When I first met you, I never thought in a million days that we would ever be together. Our personalities are just so different, and at times I'm just amazed that you love me the way that you do. I often ask myself and God if we're really in love. My answer always comes back yes. Today when I woke up, I prayed, like I tried to do in the mornings. And I thank God for getting you home safely and for blessing you in my life. I often pray that God will help our relationship to grow stronger. And if it's his will, our relationship will work out. I also thought about this morning why I love you. For a moment, I blanked out. <laughs> Couldn't remember why she loved me. That's okay. She wasn't a disciple yet. So I grabbed a pen and a paper and I began to list all the reasons why I didn't like you. Instead of what I did. I came up with seven reasons, and then I ripped up the paper and I threw it away. And then I came up with the reasons why I do love you. I love you because I consider you to be a blessing in my life. You're my comfort, my companion, my confidant, my significant other. I love you because my heart desires to love you. I love you because I want to love you. It brings me joy to love you. I love you because God brought us together through his love. I love you because you need to be loved. I want to focus on your needs, not just my own. You bring me happiness, Richard Anthony Olmos. Even though we're different and I might not get all the things that I want said or done for, from you, all that really, really matters is I love you. And I want to better myself for you and this relationship. I want us to grow in the, in, with God's love together. I think we should try and go to church together. But there has to be compromise. To 
the day I learned the more you love somebody, the more you grow together with them and gain their strength. You are my boyfriend. I'm thankful for you. I love you, Lynn. Cassidy's middle name is Lynn, in case you didn't know. Hold, hold, here's where the applause should come. We were searching for a church. That's why she wrote that as a non-Christian. We were looking for churches. We did not want to submit to God's will, though. We were looking for an easy church in the beginning, I think. And then when we finally got humbled out so badly, because you could either humble yourself, take the highway of humility, or he will humble you. And when we submitted, things changed. She wrote this August 20th, 2009. August 14th. 2011, almost two years to the day, Cassidy was baptized. I spent so much time trying to look for the dream woman. I got this dream woman, I got this list, and she's going to be this tall and have this and that. You know, when I submitted to God's will, God gave me somebody better than my dream woman. Way better. The challenge is to be like Jesus. So when you get into that D time, when you get into your quiet time, humbly and happily submit. Submit even if it doesn't make sense. Because by definition, faith does not make sense. Verse 9. Therefore, because Jesus submitted, because he humbled himself, God exalted him to the highest place. He gave him the name that is above every name. At the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. And every tongue should, con- should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Jesus took the highway of humility. He took the subway of submission. But he was driven by godly ambition. Ambition to glorify the Father by saving the world. That's my third and final point. Driven by godly ambition. Sometimes ambition is like a bad word. Did Anthony just use profanity on the stage right there? He said ambition. He said, I got to be ambitious. I don't know about this. This is a new teaching. Where, where, where? Ambition simply means a strong desire to achieve something. Jesus had a strong desire to save you. He had a strong desire to give you grace, to give you mercy, to save the world. The opposite of ambition is apathy. I just don't care. And it's obvious when we look inside of ourselves, we know when we don't care. We just look at what we've done this week. How many people we shared with, how our quiet times were. We know if we care or we don't. And then there's selfish ambition. Simply ask yourself, when you see somebody else raise up, get a new title, get a new position, something great, do you feel happy for them? Or is it something inside of you that just doesn't like it? And selfish ambition will lead us to apathy. I get hurt so many times because I'm so selfishly ambitious that I just don't care anymore. I don't care about the plan. I don't care about my Bible talk. I don't care about this. I don't care about that. We have got to have a godly ambition. I read a a short poem, a short story about 
changing the world. That's our ambition. We are trying to change the world. In spite of ISIS, in spite of all these things that are going on, we're still moving. The short story goes like this. When I was a young man, I wanted to change the world. I found it was difficult to change the world, so I started to try and change my nation. When I found I couldn't change my nation, I began to focus on my town. I couldn't change the town as an older man. Then I tried to change my family. Now as an older man, I realized the only thing I can change is myself. And suddenly, I realized that if long ago I had to change myself, I could have made an impact on my family. My family and I could have made an impact on our town. Their impact could have changed the nation, and I could have indeed changed the world. You see, we've got to have an ambition. It's got to start with us to glorify God, to get people to heaven, to help each other's follow suit. Let's read Paul's words here. He tells us how Jesus did it, and then he basically says in humility that he, he wants to do the same thing. Therefore, therefore, because I said all that other stuff before this, Paul says, therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, you've always submitted to the plan. Not only in my presence, but also in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. I can't do it for you. God can't do it for you, but you can work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. Do everything. Everything means everything. Oh, one more time. One more. Everything means everything. Without complaining or arguing. So that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault. In this crooked and deprived generation. In which you will shine like stars in the universe. Jesus' ambition was to save the world. It says that he lowered himself in the scripture we read before and God raised him to fill up the whole universe. Paul's ambition for us is to shine like stars and to be like Jesus. Not just the evangelizations of the nations, but to fill the entire universe with his glory. Not just for one generation, but into heaven and forever. As you hold out the word of life, in order that I may boast on the day of Christ that I did not run my race, that I did not labor for you for nothing. But even if I'm being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and the service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you, so you too should be glad and rejoice with me. The drink offering was an accompaniment offering. Jesus is the main sacrifice. And we pour ourselves out onto the altar as well. Paul says here to the church in Philippi, even if you're the main sacrifice, I will play second fiddle to you. The guy who planted all these churches, who did all these things, says, I raise you up to be higher than me. I want to glorify God. And I think one of the most humble things he says in the entire book, he says, I just want to know Christ. 
and the power of his resurrection. I want to call us to be ambitious this morning. You guys got some energy still? We got the five times coming up. We will do it. A hundred baptisms by the EMC. We will do it. Your personal dreams. Do not give up. This kingdom will not move without your dreams. We need you. Our older, more mature disciples, our young baby Christians, we need you to dream. With God, the impossible is quite simply possible. And beyond our dreams being realized, beyond the evangelization of the nations, getting to heaven. How are we going to do it? The highway of humility. The subway of submission. And being driven by a godly ambition. Thank you very much. We would like to thank you for listening to that episode of the podcast. If you would like video versions of these episodes, whether it's sermon highlights or interviews, feel free to check us out on our website or view them on our YouTube channel. That's londonchurch.org.uk. That's L-O-N-D-O-N-C-H-U-R-C-H.org.uk. And for all other updates and information, whether it's services, events or devotionals you can find all that on our website also once again we'd like to thank you for listening and we'll catch you on the next one